the rest of us, let's turn to Psalm chapter 90, Psalm 90, and uh, we are going to try to walk through this psalm tonight, and uh, several famous verses from this psalm that you should recognize as we read through. Verse 1, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man, man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night." We look at this beautiful psalm, and here God explains through the pen of Moses. Psalm 90 is different in that way. It's not a psalm of David. It's attributed to Moses, and according to the Jewish tradition, this is the beginning of the fourth book of Psalms, and uh, it is written by Moses. You notice if you have... A Bible there, it says, a prayer of Moses, the man of God, is the little words that, that uh, are in my Bible. And yes, just in case you're wondering, those little words are in the Hebrew text as well. And, and they give us a little bit of direction and help and understanding. But he starts out by saying, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Now, how many generations can you live just one. But the psalmist is starting out by saying that God has been the dwelling place of those that believe in every generation from creation. There's always been a place where you and I, where those that believe in God can go. The Solomon wrote the Proverbs, put it this way. The, Lord, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. There is a place that we can be safe in the storm. It is in the Lord. He is God from everlasting to everlasting. I'll tell you, you can see the beauty of creation. But before the mountains were, God already was. Before any of the things that we know and understand. And in verse 3, he is the God that turns man to destruction. He is the God that judges man for his sin. He is also the God that heals. Time does not bind God as it binds you and I. In Second Peter, we get the opposite of this. A thousand years is as a day with the Lord. Here we have... A thousand years, I mean, a day is as a thousand years. Here we have the thousand years are but as yesterday and as a watch in the night. The eternity of God. God thinks about time differently than you and I do. Have you ever met somebody who's a conspiratorialist? Do you know what I mean by that? 
They believe in little black helicopters floating around and all of a sudden men are going to pop out of the wall in suits and carry us all away. And, and they have all kinds... And you, you hear them talking about the Bilderbergers and... Uh, I don't... I like hamburgers. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you, they talk about these people that plan things from generation to generation. Let me tell you, the only one that does that is God. Here's how you can know that the conspiratorialists were wrong. Very easily. Can you name me any time in human history when a single man or a group of men thought they had power to destroy another nation or take over another people group and didn't take advantage of it? That's why Adolf Hitler invaded Russia to his defeat. If he had listened to his generals, he would have waited 10 years. If he had done that, the whole world may actually speak German today. But you see, God has a way of disrupting the people who think they can get it accomplished. Napoleon did the same thing. These people that thought they had the power I remember, and if, if you're a student of history, how many of you remember President Andrew Jackson? Reading about him, of course. Uh, he had a group of bankers that called him up. Not literally. They didn't have telephones in those days. They came into his office and they said, we're going to destroy this country if you don't do things our way. He says, we'll see about that. And before it was all said and done... Those bankers were out of a job. And Andrew Jackson was still president. Yes, there was the panic, is what they called it. I believe the year was, well, I'm not going to tell you the year because I forget. Look up Andrew Jackson's presidency. You'll see the panic of 1820, whatever it was. And uh, uh, it did, but the nation survived because a man was willing to stand. If you want to read... An interesting history. The German generals that put the soldiers into the hinterland, that was land that was outlawed and taken from Germany after World War I, and it was a demilitarized zone between Germany and France, and Hitler gambled. He sent his armies into that land because he knew that the French wouldn't stop him. The generals had given orders... If one Frenchman stands up and fires one shot, you turn around and come to Germany and shoot Hitler. There wasn't a Frenchman to stand up. And it was all defeated. And World War II came into being because one man wasn't willing to stand up. I'll tell you, we got to understand something. Don't be worried about the conspiratorialists, the connivers, the thieves, the whatever. You worry about God. You be concerned with him because he is the one that holds time in his hand. And I'll tell you what God is concerned with much more than you and I are concerned with. Let's look here in verse 5. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as, 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 they are as a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. 
For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Moses is making a comparison here. Remember, Hebrew poetry does not compare does not rhyme words, it rhymes ideals. And it takes the idea of the eternity of God, the holiness of God, the protection of God, and it compares it to the mortality and sinfulness of man. You see, God is concerned about our sin. It says here, that we pass our days in His wrath. You ever wonder why we cannot accomplish what we want? In fact, you want to know what allows the quote-unquote conspiratorialists to be successful in what they do? It's when God's people sin. That's what the psalmist is telling us. If we would pay attention we would look and understand that our life is as the grass. It grows in the morning, it flourishes, it's beautiful. Then it's cut down and it dries up and becomes hay for the cows. God lets us spend our years as a tale that is told. If we live 70 or 80 years... I'll tell you, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have the men in a couple weeks ago for our anniversary. Brother Horton turns 81 in January. Brother Marshall just turned 79 last May. He'll be 80 this May. Brother Clayton is just a year, 78 years old, I believe, a year younger than Brother Marshall. And Brother Nielsen, uh, remind me to make sure we put him on the prayer list. Uh, they just diagnosed him with uh, mesothelioma, lung cancer. And uh, he is 83 years old. And, uh, and when I talked to him on the phone, he says, well, I'll find out what they're telling me. But uh, they, and then he had to describe this huge, gory procedure they did. <laughs> and, but he talks like he's going to be serving the Lord for another 20 years. And he just may. You never know. But let's let our concern be with serving the Lord. And that's what the last part of this psalm is about. Look at verse 11. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Now the best I can give you on this verse is that If you don't want to deal with God's anger, deal in the fear of the Lord. You're going to have one or the other. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, they tell us in Proverbs. Amen. And the fear of the Lord is not just simply being afraid of God. But it is letting his holiness and his plans determine ours. Have you ever been just sitting there contemplating what you're going to do and all of a sudden you say, you know... I don't think the Lord would be as pleased with that as he would be with something else. That's the fear of the Lord. We need to understand that his wrath is real. But if we'll fear him, we won't have to deal with his wrath. Amen. Look at the next verse. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I will tell you, I'm finally getting old enough to realize that I can't do now what I used to be able to do. And I can do one of two things. I can get all discouraged, or I can just start numbering my days a little differently than I did before. Sometimes we have to reset priorities. This idea of teaching us to number our days is how can my life be invested in God's work as wisely and carefully as possible. When you're young, you have lots of energy, little wisdom. As you get older, you stop, if you, you stop working harder and start working smarter, I hope. I pray that happens in my life. If it's going to, it's going to be because he taught me how to number my days. We can't always do what we used to do the way we used to do it. But that's no excuse to swallow the drivel of the modern day marketing for Jesus crowd. That's not what it's talking about here. We don't market the Lord. We're not going to adapt our church to meet the world halfway. What we want to do is we want to serve God His way. Now, here's how that happens. It just builds in these last few verses. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Now, why would Moses say those words? How many times did the children of Israel in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, several times, twice at least, God comes to Moses and says, get out of the way, let me make a new nation. You know what Moses said? Lord, please don't do that. Lord, what are the Egyptians going to think? You see, God... Never destroyed the whole nation, now did he? And God's never going to do that until he gets into the tribulation period and does the things in the book of Revelation. What we need to do is, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Let me invest my life this week. You know, we got a couple of days this week. They're really important. We need to be in prayer about our nation. Amen. 
We need to be in prayer and doing our part and encouraging others to do what is right. And, and he moves on right to the next one. Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad. How many are days? It says all our days. It is so easy to get our eyes on what is going on and get discouraged. Just turn on the news. Is there any good news? I haven't heard any. I mean, every once in a while they'll tell me some good news. Some guy got his dog back from Afghanistan. And I'm happy for the dog. I really am. But that's not really good news, is it, my friend? I mean, does that just bless your heart? I mean, I, I'm, I'm as much an animal lover as anyone else, especially dinner time. Uh, Andrew used to have this shirt. I think Miss Frida got it for him. There's room for all God's creatures right next to the potatoes and gravy. Amen. But uh, the simple truth of the matter is God wants us to have joy and gladness. He wants us to be encouraged in spite of who we are. And the key to that joy is mercy. How do we get mercy? We go to the victor and admit our defeat. And he gives us mercy to be obedient to his will. I got to change sides. I used to be in rebellion against him. That's what living a life of sin is, is it not? Now I've surrendered to serve him. And his mercy is what will satisfy. It will make me glad and it will make you glad. And we come here and make us glad according to the days wherein thou afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Sometimes God lets us walk through those dark waters. Sometimes he's teaching us to change our ways. Sometimes he just wants us to trust him no matter what. Sometimes he doesn't bother explaining to us why we need to walk through dark waters. But that's okay because he's our habitation from everlasting unto everlasting. He is God. If you've had children... One of their favorite questions. Why? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? And I mean, they'll just keep going on and on and on and on. Now, I'm, I mean, I'll just be plain. Sometimes it gets a little frustrating. And then I'll understand and remember something. How many times have I gone to God and said, Why? You know what? I try never to ask why. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Give me something to do. To keep serving you. Because most of the time, even if you knew why, would it make any sense? Would it change anything? No, you need to know what to do. 
God allows us to walk through the dark times of life so that we'll come back to Him for mercy and understand that true joy isn't just having what I think I need to have. True joy is living in the mercy of Almighty God. We've got two more verses. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto thy children. Every once in a while, God will pull back that veil of his incredible omnipotent knowledge and let us see just a little bit of what he's doing. That's what the psalmist is praying for. He's saying, let Let thy work appear unto thy servants. Let me see and understand what's going on here. And thy glory unto thy children. You know what? Many of the Old Testament prophets, Moses, probably more than anybody else in the Old Testament, understood a little bit about the church. But he didn't understand much, my friend. Not until he saw it from the other side of eternity. The last verse is the one we need to get to and the one we need to get a hold of the most. Moses says, And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands. Establish thou it. We ought to have one prayer request. That our hands would do his work. Does it make much sense to pass out over a million tracks on the streets of our little neighborhood here? But we've done that. And still, we're struggling to get over a hundred on Sunday morning. Well... Let's pray. The reason we pass out tracts is because they will talk to people who won't let you talk to them. Amen? If they'll take that little piece of paper home and read it, and we've had stories of people who have waited five and six and upwards of ten years for reading that little piece of paper. I'll tell you what. Let's ask God to establish the work of our hands, he expects us to do certain things around the church. He's not sending an angel to announce the everlasting gospel. That's in the book of Revelation. No angels today because he expects you to do it. Amen? Our giving to missions. Guess what? That's the work of our hands. Lord, establish that work. Let us hear stories from our missionaries of souls being saved and churches being planted around the world. And you know, one of the things that's so difficult for our missionaries is life isn't always exciting on the mission field. There isn't something always happening every day, just like around here. But you know what? If I'm going to be here 20 years, I got to start on the first day. It can't leave in the middle. And the same thing is true of each of our members. 
You know, sometimes the greatest thing you can do is just show up. Just be there. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, visitation, special meetings. I'll tell you, God wants to accomplish His work through our hands. But you got to get satisfied with His mercy so you'll do what He wants instead of what you want. And God will give you a little bit of understanding of what's going on once you get full of His mercy. He'll make you understand that the work that you are doing, even though it seems boring and seems like nothing is being happened. One of the preachers at the preacher's meeting, he said, Pastor, he said, I just feel like I'm treading peanut butter. He said, nothing is happening. I said, that's where you're wrong. There's always something happening. God is always working. You just got to stick around long enough to see it happen. I said, if God put you here, don't leave no matter what. God wants you to leave. He'll let you know. But most of the time, we leave because we're trying to find an easier place to serve. No such place exists, my friend. God's put you where he's put you. So you can serve him and he can establish his work through your hands. I don't know about you, but that is exciting to me. I don't know how many times I've read Psalm 90. And the whole sermon tonight was to get to that last verse. Moses is saying... Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. You know what part of Moses' work was? Uh, giving us this psalm. And we come back and we praise God and learn from the psalm he wrote. Where would we be in our understanding of our relationship with God if Moses hadn't obeyed God and built the tabernacle? Where would we be in our understanding if we did not have all the stories from the history of the nation of Israel to understand that God is more patient with us than we could ever imagine? Let's pray that he'll establish the work of our hands. But let's pray that our hands will be working according to his mercy. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for this beautiful psalm. And we ask 